July is upon us and so is the summer heat. No complaints here. And I'll do my best to store up this feeling so I can remember it in February. Today is Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019, and this is Poet Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Mulder, and today is episode 18 of season two. We're getting ready to step into a more summer-like routine, but before that happens, I wanted to share a great conversation with you. Sean Smucker joins me today to talk about his new book, Light from Distant Stars. Sean is an award-winning author, has written two young adult novels, a memoir, and his newest novel, which I just mentioned, Light from Distant Stars. I don't know if you're anything like I am, but summer reading means something special to me, a chance to lose myself in great stories and not feel guilty that I'm not learning something. When I had the chance to get my hands on an early copy of this book, I jumped on it, and I promise it did not disappoint. I reached out to Sean to talk about his book, his creative process, and I'm excited to share what he had to say. A quick program note, we did have a little bit of an issue with our audio, but hang in there. It's well worth the listen. Sean, welcome to Poet Kind. I am so excited to talk to you today about a couple of things. Your brand new book that's coming out sometime in July, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, July 16th. Okay, and then um, your creative process. I am always fascinated by how people work, so thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, As I mentioned, you have a book coming out. Now, I I have to confess, I um, I got an ARC so that I got a chance to take a peek at it, and it's one of the best books I've read in a long time, so... I'll be careful not to give anything away, but um, I some of the things I was reading really got me curious about your creative process. Mm. So I'd really like to start there because we have a lot of creatives, um, not just writers, not just poets, but we have visual artists, um, all kinds of creatives that listen. Um, and so that's always kind of a touch point for everybody. Where do you get get your ideas um Hmm, good question i for the the fiction that i write the novels most of the time those stories come out of questions that i have um sort of combined with a character maybe that has come to mind so uh in my first novel which was a young adult novel called the day the angels fell it really came about from a question that i was sort of living out was um could it be possible that death is a gift? And so it was just this question that I had encountered while I was uh, doing some co-writing work for a a gentleman who was dying of cancer. And um, that question led into the story that it would become. So that's usually where uh, the seeds of ideas come from for me. Um, With Light from Distant Stars, there wasn't necessarily one really strong question. There were a few. Um, one of the questions that I've been sort of working through for, for a long time now is the question of memory and, um, you know, how can we, how, how much of the past that we remember, can we, can we really trust? Um, because, you know, so much of the way we live our present and the relationships that we have and the decisions that we make all come back to how we've interpreted our past and sort of chosen to remember that. And so um, I was really interested in having a character, Cohen, 
in this case, who would um, start to explore the memories that he had and 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 wrestle with, you know, how those memories have played out and kind of led him to the place that he was. Uh, you bring up some good points in um, my listeners can't see it, but I don't know if you can see this. I don't usually do this with fiction books. Like I took notes and I folded over pages because I wanted to go back. And, um, you you talk about the experience of of um, of just being and how relationships, even though we might think we are part of a relationship, we're really kind of living in our own heads. We're experiencing relationship only from one perspective. Mm. And you kind of talk about family relationships and exterior relationships. Um, and the complexity mm. there, and you do it, you just weave that together so well. Um, it was quite illuminating for me as just the reader to stop and think about, oh, yeah, that's that's really true. And mm. you... Yeah, I, I think um, it's interesting that you would say that, and, I, and another thing that sort of comes to mind as you bring up the family relationships is, you know, I'm 42 years old. My dad is 20 years older than me, 62. And so um, we've had a really good relationship. Nothing like Cohen's relationship with his dad in the book. Good. But I think, yeah, but I think um, as all parent-children relationships, I think there was, you know, there's a growing apart at some point in your life. And I think that's healthy as you start to look for your own sort of identity and things like that. Um, and then I think the big question is, will we rediscover each other, you know, later in life? So if, if you and a parent grow apart um, for any reason, some some good, some not good, um, you know, is there a chance that you can, you can come back together, rediscover a parent uh, later? And that was really one of the other main questions that I was exploring with Cohen. Yeah. Well, you, you, you handled it masterfully. Um, and, and the whole arc of his relationship with his father and how that does transform, um, up until the very end, which is a, a scene that just tore me apart. Um, it's hard not to say what that is, but it just, it, it brought so much together and it culminated in such a, um, a fantastic way. Mm. So, um, and, and it's fun. And it's also, I mean, you talk a little bit about, um, uh, a, a young man, a young boy growing up, which I can't experience that, but to see that aspect of it as well, um, mm. was, I think maybe one, I, tend to read more writers, I suppose, that maybe have um, a feminine protagonist. Uh, so this was really fun to read uh, from that perspective as well. Um, you have, you have, this is your third fiction mm -hmm. under yeah. your belt. Yeah. And um, actually, when I found out about Light from Distant Stars, I had started Once We Were Strangers. And um, I put that away yeah. <laughs> so that I could read this and focus on this. But I was immediately taken with your storytelling capacity from Once We Were Strangers. Mm -hmm. And um, now that's a totally different book. Do you mind talking about that just a little bit too? Yeah, sure. No, so Once We Were Strangers was a book um, that came into being after I became friends with a Syrian refugee who had moved to Lancaster, very close to me. 
And it was sort of an unexpected friendship. I had reached out to our local refugee uh, resettlement organization, Church World Service, CWS, just to see if I could help. It was, um, you know, 2000, let's see, 16. So it was, uh, Syria was really at the front of a lot of our minds with the things that were going on in Aleppo and um, ISIS and all that. And so I just wanted to see if I could help. So I reached out to them and they connected me with Muhammad. And we became really good friends. And it wasn't, you know, I think when I had first started to get involved, I, I sort of imagined helping um, in, in sort of simple ways, you know, if he needed some money or if I could give him a ride somewhere or, you know, if he needed furniture or those sorts of things. But I quickly realized that what he was really in need of was friendship. Um, and ironically, so was I. And um, so that became... Uh, it, it was a different book than I expected. When I first started writing it, I thought it would be more kind of action adventure, him escaping Syria and, you know, that sort of thing. But it ended up being uh, a quieter book, just about friendship. And um, yeah, it was it was a really precious book for me. And uh, And Muhammad and I remain friends to this day. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great. Yeah, it, it, like you said, it's a book about friendship. And I remember reading a line, and I, I won't be able to quote it exactly, but you were grappling with the idea of really developing relationship and what that would mean uh, on a deeper level and what friendship is like. And um, you worry that you're not able to be that friend. And, wow, that struck that struck home. It's like how often I've held back from developing relationship because to be a good friend requires a lot more and sometimes it, it really challenges you almost more than anything else to to step out yeah. of yourself yeah no that's so true i think that a lot of us because we're so busy um we tend to gravitate towards very simple friendships you know people who we get along with very easily and we can kind of maintain a surface level communication. Um, it fits well with our busy lives and it gives us uh, the ability to re sort of remain autonomous in a way. And I think um, what a lot of us actually need are deeper friendships. Um, we might not even think that we want them because of what they require, but I think we need them. And that's kind of what I learned um, being with Muhammad and spending time with him was that you know, the rewards of those deeper friendships are very, are, are really great. Um, and it costs more, but it, it's something that I think we all, we all do actually need. Yeah. Um, I think I strayed a little bit originally from talking about, uh, creative process, mm -hmm. but I think it's all, all part and parcel because you have, you have to research no matter what, what kind of writing you're doing, you have to do some sort of research. Do you have a, a preferred method or does an idea come to you and you kind of go down that direction or, you know, how does, how does your creative process really kind of begin? And then what form does that take? Do you have habits? Do you have, um, you know, do you have things that you, uh, draw inspiration from in order to keep going on a longer project or what, it, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I usually start with a question and a character, and, and once I have that character in mind, I really try to uh, dig into who they are and get to know them 
Well, the main question that I'm always trying to answer with the character is, you know, what's the thing that they care more about than anything else in the world? And I think once, as a writer, once you can identify that, um, then you're well on your way because the conflict is going to come out of them either not having that or, or, you know, having that taken away. And so that's kind of where I start. Um, And a lot of that comes through free writing or, you know, really just taking time to think about it, whether it's driving in the car, journaling, um, you know, there's so much time for me anyway, when it comes to novel writing, that has nothing to do with physically putting words down, you know, so much of it is just in my head. Um, Especially at the beginning, or when I run into a, you know, roadblock, um, I find that a lot of times what I need is to just step away from the keyboard and, and take some time to think. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the beginning. And then once I get started, I usually try and write a thousand words a day. Um, I've just found that to be a good target for me. I, I co-write and ghostwrite books for a living. So I'm usually working on two or three other projects for other people. Um, but for me, I try and start my day with, with the fiction, um, writing a thousand words and then move on. Uh, I recently read somewhere just a small hint about not ending that day's writing at, you know, um, at, at the end of a chapter or, you know, at a, at a break point. And that's been really helpful to always try and end in the middle of something so that the next day I can pick that up. And um, it's a little bit easier to keep going, you know, if you're if you're starting if you're starting off in movement. So that's been helpful. Um yeah, and my wife recently read somewhere. My wife's a writer as well, and she was reading uh, one of Kate DeCamillo's books. And in the acknowledgments section, uh, Kate just mentions that she writes 200 words a day. Like that's her goal, 200 words. And I think I think that was really encouraging for my wife. We have six kids, and so you know right. life is pretty busy. Um, and I think for her to to hear, it's really not about the number. You know, I mean, it can be 2,000 words a day. It can be 200 words a day. But it, but if you want to write a novel, I think more important than anything is the consistency. You know, so, you know, set your goal and stick with it. And that's, I think that's the most important part. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that you ghostwrite. So you have a bunch of projects going at the same time. Does that ever get difficult to juggle? Um, it does sometimes, usually it's okay because they tend to be at different phases. So, you know, one might be a first draft, one might be just trying to put the structure together while the other one's in revision. So, um, the only time it gets a little bit overwhelming is if I'm starting multiple projects at the same time and then, you know, doing all the writing, uh, which tends to take most of the time. But, uh, for the most part, I've been able to keep it straight. It's been about 10 years now. Um, that I've been doing that full time. And it's, you know, it, it certainly gives me um, the, uh, a kind of flexibility that most people don't have. So I try and remember that when I'm giving people writing advice that uh, most people don't have the flexible schedule that I have. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a really nice run so far. Yeah. Now, I, now correct me if I'm wrong. One of the other things you do um, is you're an Uber driver, is that right? Well, I I do that when things get slow, or I have done in the past. Um, I'm not currently because I have a lot of work, so it's okay. kind of in the back burner. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was so interesting, and I, I just wondered if 
if that ever fuels your creativity because you you can't anticipate what you're going into um, as a driver and then you just never know what kind of character is going to show up that you have to take someplace. Yeah, no, I loved it. I loved I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It's something that... Um, it's kind of a grind if, if you're running short of money and you have to do it to make a living because you do have to put a lot of hours in. So, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I was driving, you know, 50, 60 hours a week, and that starts mm. to get a That's little a bit lot. tough. Um, but during the times when I would maybe drive an afternoon or a day a week or something like that, I found it, I really enjoyed it because of the reasons that you mentioned. You know, it's you, you just meet new people all the time. It really did uh, a wonderful thing as far as um, sort of restoring my hope, faith in humanity. Mm. Um, you know, every, you know, from I drove hundreds and hundreds of people during those couple of years, uh, probably maybe a couple thousand even. And, you know, the the number of jerks that I drove is so few <laughs> in oh, all of those good. people. You know, it's like. There's so many nice people out there, and most people um, either just want to get on with their life or they want to connect, you know, and tell you their story. It's amazing how many people share their stories from the back seat. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was something I really did enjoy. Yeah, that, that's cool. Now I'm, I'm going to ask um, one more question regarding the creative process, and that's something that any creative, I, I think, no matter what you do, you face is rejection. Mm. Now, how do you, how do you handle that? Um, do you have any advice for people who struggle with rejection mm. and, um, you know, how to get past that? Yeah, it's not easy. You know, it's really not, I think. Um, and it, and it's, it's part of every single phase of the writing journey, right? Like, you, yeah, I think a lot of times I, anyway, as a beginning writer, when I was back just getting started, I sort of thought, well, if I can just get through this phase, then, you know, it won't be so bad. Um, but in, you know, in the beginning you're getting rejected from agents and then you get an agent and you get rejections from publishers. And then, you know, once you get a contract, you get bad reviews or you get people who don't enjoy your books or, I mean, it's just, it's pretty much a constant as a writer. And so I, for me, um, it's, it's become important, uh, or healthy, I guess I would say for me to, to try and stay away from reviews as much as possible. Um, I'm sort of overly curious about those things, so I'm not always successful at ignoring them. Um, but that's, that's helpful when I can just, you know, put the, put the blinders on because at the end of the day, they really don't mean anything. I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, it's one thing if your beta readers, the people that you really trust are coming back to you with consistent criticism about a particular aspect of your writing. Um, and that's important to listen to and pay attention to, but I don't really feel like I should care that much about what a stranger on the street thinks, you know, about my writing. And so, I have tried to ignore that stuff as much as possible. Um, the other, the other thing is just keep writing, <laughs> you know, like I, uh, my wife is in the middle of querying right now and she's trying to get an agent for the book that she's finished. And so, um, that's been, that's been probably the best thing for her is, you know, when a rejection comes in, you just 
you just put your head down and you keep writing and and I think for me that's what I do when I you know if I'm discouraged by by um, by anything that comes along is is just keep writing and that and that's what I try and convey to writers maybe who are a little bit earlier in their journey on uh, on writing is the writing will always be there for you um, and that's pretty much the only thing <laughs> you know you yeah. think. You think, well, I've got an agent now. Well, guess what? They could quit or drop you or, you know, oh, I've got a publisher. Well, for now. Um, or, you know, oh, I've got a book that sold well. Okay, that's great. What about the next one? You know, there's always going to be something that is waiting to disappoint you. But I feel like for me, the writing has always been there. And that is the thing that we can always go back to and and just to remember our enjoyment of it and the reason we first started writing the reason i first started writing is because i love stories and so that for me has been really the the one thing that just continues to get me through you know the disappointments or discouragements that come along yeah great advice because ultimately the only consistent thing you have is your words yeah and just to go back to that now I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to your book. Um, it's called Light from Distant Stars, and I love how it's explained in in the book. Um, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. Uh, easy to, it just grabs you right from the get go. It's imaginative, but also it's um, it's very concrete if those two can exist in the same plane. I had a moment when I was reading and I wrote it in the margin. It's like, oh, and, and I hope you don't mind the, the reference. It's like, okay, so this is the, the Flannery O'Connor meets Stephen King moment where it just kind of, it goes from building this beautiful scenery around you, this environment where you can see it and smell it and almost taste it and you hear it. And then something happens and it's like, okay, I wasn't expecting this, so what's going to happen now? Um, <laughs> well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, well, they're two of my favorite writers, and I f usually find them in the summer. I don't know why. It's maybe, you know, you read all these things in the winter that you try to, you know, grow your mind, and you try to learn, and then it's finally summer, and you want to, yeah. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to be taken away in a great story. Yeah. Um, my hope is that you'll share a little bit uh, with us, maybe reading a, a small portion, whatever you're comfortable sharing, and then um, you know we can talk about the nuts and bolts of it. You know when exactly it's coming out, what folks mm -hmm. can look for, and what they can do to support your writing. So yeah, sure, sure, I'd be happy to read uh, read for you here. I'll just start in the beginning uh, because with this book, that seems to be a good place uh, to read from. Chapter one is called The Body, um, and each part, there's uh, six parts, and each part is um, divided up. I decided to pull a verse from the creation story for each, each part, and so the first part is Monday, March 16th, 2015, darkness was upon the face of the deep, um, and then chapter one, The Body. Cohen Mara clears his throat quietly, more out of discomfort than the presence of any particular thing that needs clearing, and attempts to step over the body for a second time. His heel no more than lightens its weight on the earth before he puts his foot back down in size. He tilts his head and purses his lips as if preparing to give a talk to an unruly child. 
He does not take his hands out of his pockets, worried that he will taint the scene, which in the next moment he realizes is ridiculous. This is where he works. This is where he works with his father, Calvin. His fingerprints are everywhere. He stares down at the body again, and sadness keeps him leaning to one side. It's the physical weight of emotion, and that weight is not centered inside of him, but skewed, imbalanced. It is not his father's slightly opened eyes looking up at him from the floor that bring down the heaviness, and it is not his father's cleanly shaven cheeks, haggard and old. It is not the way the tangled arms rest on his chest or the way his one leg is still bent and propped up against the examination table. No, the thing that weighs Cohen down is the shiny baldness of his father's head, the way the light reflects from it, the same way it did when he was alive. The light should dim, he thinks. It should flatten out and the glare should fade. There should be no light, not anymore. So that's kind of where you jump into the story, um, discovering along with Calvin, uh, his father, and um, yeah, things kind of progress from there. Yeah, and it's interesting because body is such a presence through the entire story. And it takes different forms all the way through. Um, and I, it's just one of those things along with light that follow the story through all the way to the very end. And, um, you know, the complexity of the characters, the, the relationships, it's, it's just so wonderfully created. Um, for our listeners that um, might not be familiar with your work, you've done two other um, books and they are young adult, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And um, do you mind sharing just a little of the theme behind those, and then we'll we'll come back and we'll give some dates that folks can yeah sure can get their hands sure. on them. Sure. So the first book was called The Day the Angels Fell, and it's the story of um, an old man who is sort of, again, thinking back on his life and remembering uh, very, well, it's, I'll tell you this because it happens very early in the book, when his mother dies and he becomes determined to bring her back to life. So he was 12 years old when his mother passed away. And um, I think at that age where a lot of times, well, I mean, at what age do we really know what to think of death? But I think especially at you know, 11, 12, 13, um, it's just hard to grapple with. And, I, and and so he sort of comes into this idea that he could bring his, his mother back um, if he could somehow find a way. And in the meantime, he crosses paths with a stranger who tells him uh, the story of the Tree of Life, but kind of a, a mythical part of it that happens after the story that we're given in the creation story. So um, he hears the myth and... Um, believes that the tree of life must be close for, for other reasons. And so he sets out to find this tree so that he can uh, bring his mom back. Uh, the second book uh, is, is a sequel to that one. It's called The Edge of Over There. And in that book, you still have the main character, Samuel, as an older man. Um, but he is told the story. So um, in this case, there's someone who knows a little bit more about what happened after book one. And so they tell him sort of the continuing story. Uh, and that one has, has more to do with his, his childhood friend, Abra, who's also with him in book one. Um, yeah, so those were the first two. And there will be a third book in that series at some point, but it hasn't been written yet. 
So. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Um, having not read those, I just knew about them. And I also knew I didn't, you, you won a nice award for one of those for the, yeah, for the first one. The, so the day the angels fell, uh, received the, the book of the year award from Christianity today for children and youth. And then the edge of over there also, uh, received honorable mention in that okay. category the following yeah. year. Um, I'm going to have to add that to my to be read list this summer. <laughs> um, you, with both light from the distant stars and your other books, you, you wrestle with very profound, um, issues or questions that I think are pretty universal. Mm. Um, and I think that what, that's what makes these or at least this one, so wonderful because you can relate to the characters and you want them to find the answers, mostly because you want to know the answers. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's really interesting. I, it's a good point. I think, you know, the as I write more and more novels, I'm starting to realize that there are definitely themes that I'm kind of obsessed with. Um, you know, death is a big one. Um, just sort of... The, you know, being close to someone who is dying or experiencing that. And then memory um, is probably the, the second biggest one that I really wrestle a lot with. And, you know, some of that comes out of the work that I've done as a co-writer. I work with so many people who are writing their memoirs. And um, it just always amazes me how conflicting the stories can be about real life. You know, you have a woman in her 90s who's retelling the story and um her son who is you know 11 or 12 years old at the time of the story that she's telling um you know has a completely different recollection of what happened i mean completely to the point that there's no possible way that both of these stories can be true you know one is right and one is wrong and that's just incredible to me that in the span of 30 or 40 years um we could someone can, is just is basically making something up, you know, based on what they think they remember, and so that, that's really an intriguing idea to me. And um, it kind of comes along the idea of of uh, having an unreliable narrator, but it, but I'm not I'm not having a narrator who's deliberately unreliable. I might do that at some point, but I think in this case, I'm just trying to point out that even though the narrator doesn't think they're unreliable, that these memories that we have are, are, are kind of nebulous. Yeah. Well, also though, even in, um, in light from distant stars, the, the coming back to something that you thought was truth the realization that what what you think you knew there is grounded in truth, but it's the expansion of that when you realize what the other person went through, mm. and I and I don't I just don't want to give it away, but yeah. it's it's a it's a complex moment where Cohen realizes mm. um, an act of love or sacrifice mm-hmm. that he maybe didn't grasp until. Mm much later. Um, and it, and it shifts his perspective, you know, yeah. it shifts yeah. him a little bit. So yeah, it really, um, yeah, that's a, it's so good. <laughs> I keep <laughs> saying you. that. I, I, just, you, I want so much to say, Oh, and then this happens and this, you just have to read yeah. it. Well, I'm just going to say, you just have to read it, uh, so that you can, um, experience this wonderful story. Um, 
it comes out July 16th. Is that right? Is yes, that what that's you said right. earlier? Yeah, it comes out July 16th. Um, I kept a journal while I was writing the book. Um, I had read Steinbeck do the same thing. He, there's a book called The uh, Journal of a Novel, I think, is the one that he wrote during East of Eden. And I just loved that book. And, and I thought it would be kind of fun to, to write a journal entry before each of my writing uh, times. And so I did that, and it's about 51 pages. And so anyone who pre-orders the book, um, you can find how to do that at my website. Uh, if you pre-order the book and then put your information in at, at a different place, um, you'll get a copy of that journal. So I don't know if this will come out before July 16th, but if it does, you can check that out. Yeah, well, there's – yes, it will come out before July 16th. Okay. <laughs> so you bring up something important. Um, pre-ordering is a writer's friend. It, it lets publishers and um, everybody involved with the creation of the book know – that you're excited about it. And um, I hope everybody heads over to your website, which is, if you want to share that with us. Yeah, it's seansmucker.com, S-H-A-W-N-S-M-U-C-K-E-R.com. And if you look under the books tab, you'll find Light from Distant Stars, and then all the information that you need is in there. Okay, great. Um, I hope a lot of people run there and do it. And then one thing they can also do, once they do get their hands on the book, is writing reviews. Mm, yeah. That's that's a that's a great thank you card to any writer um, to share what you think of the book. And um, yeah, so I hope p- people get a chance to do that. Do you have other social media that folks can find you on and follow you and and get to know you and your writing? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, um, which is just Sean Smucker, um, and then I'm also on Instagram, uh, and I try to do more. You know, family stuff, just regular life stuff over there. So that's kind of fun. Um, And I do have a Sean Smucker writing page on Facebook as well if people want to look me up. Okay, great. Well, um, one last plug, Light from Distant Stars. I highly recommend the book, especially if you're looking for something to to take you to another place uh, as you sit in a a comfortable chair outside this summer. So um, grab your copy. And um, once again, thank you, Sean. I just heard the birds tweeting in the background where you are. So I think I will let you go so you can enjoy some time with your family and the lovely outdoors. And um, yeah, just thank you so much. It was really a gift to get to spend some time with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Susan. It was a delight. Yeah, well, you take care. You too. Thank you, Sean. Take a few moments to find Sean on Twitter and Instagram, both at Sean Smucker, and head over to his website at seansmucker.com and sign up for his updates. Pre-order his book and you'll get that great bonus. That's it for today. I'm going to close out this episode with a heads up that we're taking a relaxed approach to summer this year. There will still be episodes ahead, but if we miss a week here and there because we've decided to have a water balloon fight or our hands have gotten a little too sticky from dripping ice cream, hang in there. We'll be back. Even podcasts need to splash in a kiddie pool once in a while. And stay tuned. We might even be playing some summertime games online. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. We will be around, just not as often. We have plenty of past episodes and some great conversations, so make sure you check some of those out, and we'd love to hear what you think. 
As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PoetKindPodcast, all one word. Let us know you're out there. Message us, comment on our post, and we'll say hi too. PoetKind is growing into a community of individuals that are incredibly supportive, generous of heart, and who truly believe that we are better when we rise together. I love this community, and I hope PoetKind can continue to bring you fresh voices, great experiences, and the best content we can deliver. Let's continue to compare notes, not ourselves, to grow together, have fun together, create together. And one last reminder, consider using the hashtag create the life you long for now, or simply tag us at Poet Kind Podcast. When you step out and do what makes you come alive, share it with us. Tell us what you're up to and give everyone a chance to show their support as well. Thank you for making this a great year. And until next time, write well, create well, live well, and enjoy the rest of this day.